remember your dreams. I dream very vividly and weirdly. I always have. What I remember very clearly was when I was a teenager. I've been playing rugby for my school in the morning. I therefore had my kit with me when we boarded the bus to go to the Scotland versus Wales match at Murrayfield. You can probably see where this is going. Uh, the game in the afternoon. You may already see this, that Scotland were just trailing in the second half. Um, Scotland's standoff was injured and came off the field. We feared the worst. But then an announcement over the tower. Douglas McCarty of Whitburn Academy, please come to the changing rooms. <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I was reticent to go. And upon a further reminder over the tannoy, and we used to have tannoy announcements at school and in every classroom, so it resonated. So I went down to be told that I was playing. There wasn't much time left in the game. Uh, we just needed one try. So I kitted up and I joined the rest of the team. This is a bit weird because in those days you didn't have replacements. Anyway, we'll, we'll put that one by and by. Um, there was a scrum just in front of the Welsh posts. The ball came back from the scrum half and taking the ball, I broke through a Welsh tackle and with the clear line in front of me, a giant egg slicer came down on top and I woke up with a jolt. <laughs> I told you they were weird. More Monty Python than Roy the Rovers. I've never forgotten it nor tried to analyse it, it'd be too disturbing. God frequently though does speak to biblical characters in dreams. Joseph was spoken to by God twice. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, that in Matthew 1, verse 20. And then in chapter two, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Matthew 2, 13. And he gets a similar message telling him it is safe to return in verse 19. So for Joseph, as in Joseph and Mary, dreams were really important and that God spoke to him through them. Those were very clear instructions and they didn't really need interpretation. For Peter, it was a bit different. He fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. It's not quite the same to enter a trance, and have a vision, but it's similar in principle, showing something to a believer, sending a message from God. And in this case, it resulted in a transformation of thinking, a renewing of Peter's mind over how to treat non-Jewish believers. Famously, of course, both Joseph, Jacob's son, 
and Daniel achieved greatness away from home, Egypt and Babylon respectively, by the gift of dream interpretation. Be watchful when you go to sleep. God might just take the opportunity to speak to you. But don't assume that every dream, as previously mentioned, is a message from God. In my case, I sincerely hope it wasn't. As with every message or word that may be from God, it needs to be weighed and tested. Now Jacob was on the run. He had stitched up his brother Esau for a second time. We heard last week from Steve about the, the first time. He stole his blessing, having bargained his birthright uh, for a bowl of stew. And the second slight was a straightforward deception. In cahoots with uh, their mother, Rebecca, Esau is so cross and frustrated with his brother that he is muttering murderous thoughts towards him. So Jacob sets off towards his uncle Laban in Haran. En route, he stops at a place called Luz, which is where today's story comes from. He rests his head and falls into a deep sleep despite using a rock for a pillow. Now, I don't know about you, I quite like soft pillows. So. And he dreams. It's a vision of a stairway it's often referred to as Jacob's Ladder, but it's much more like the steps you would find on the side of a Mesopotamian ziggurat, you know, those um, sort of pyramid-type structures which have got steps all the way up. All the way up to heaven. Jacob sees angels travelling up and down this stairway. The heavens have opened and the earthly realm uh, are bridged. Heaven and earth are bridged. Is that starting to sound familiar? A bridge between where God is and where we are. There's an incident at the end of the first chapter of John where Jesus meets Philip and Nathaniel. Verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets who uh, prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come, out, come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the, the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Nathaniel, recognising who Jesus is, declares his divinity, uh, divinity and his kingship. Jesus, in turn, reveals more of this kingdom ministry, an open heaven. That is what the incarnation is all about, the kingdom breaking in. 
and it's a taster of more that is to come, the new creation, the kingdom come, breaking in now. It's easy to see the biblical story as a series of stories and other genres all sort of strung together, but in reality, God has given us a consistent thread from beginning to end. So this passage of Jacob is full of references that look forward to what is to come and back to what has been. Jacob wakes and realizes the Lord is there. He has had a vision of the constant work of God, sending his messengers into the world and bringing them back up and down this stairway. God was at the top of this stairway in sovereignty and grace, overseeing the work. And Jacob did not realize that this was going on all the time around him. The question for us is, do we? There's a song that we often sing called Waymaker and the bridge at the end repeats this phrase, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. The song captures the essence of Jacob's dream. Surely the Lord was in this place and I was not aware of it, he says. Now Paul wrote to the Philippian church, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So where is the Lord now in this new covenant? Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. For God promised through the prophets not only a new promise, but a new way of working. And where that working is taking place is in the believer. Jeremiah 31. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. The famous prophecy that points towards the new covenant of Jesus. When Jacob realized that he had had an encounter with God, he said it was awesome. It's a word that we can overuse related to a movie or a bar of chocolates, where it truly means taken to a place of fear and awe. Conscious of our own weakness and unworthiness, yet built up and lifted up by the knowledge of the presence of the Lord. Do we seek awesome encounter with God? Do we realize that when we give ourselves to him, that we have the Holy Spirit of God in us? Do we want and seek more of that? In that encounter, God makes promises, some of which are repetitions of those made to Abraham, Jacob's grandfather. 
I am the Lord. I'm the God of your father Abraham. And now I'm going to be your God because I'm going to give you promises too. I will give you this land. Your descendants will be like the dust. Compare that to Abraham, the stars of the sky. All people will be blessed through you. I am with you. I watch over you. I will not leave you. I will bring you back here. This is an outpouring of God's grace. It is unearned. Remember the state that Jacob is in. He's a fugitive. He's running away from his brother because of the ways in which he has stolen from him and he has lied to his father and him. It is God using a flawed, lying, cheating individual for his purposes. And Jacob will experience transformation. His name, Jacob, means one who grasps the heel, which he did to Esau upon birth and continued to do in his life. We will see in the weeks to come that God will change his name to Israel, one who contends for or with God. And Jacob's story is one of redemption, but he is not yet redeemed. Yet God honours his destiny by making the promises anyway. Jacob's part, if he provides for me, then he is my God. Sounds like a transaction. You know, if you give me this, then I'll do that for you. But he could just as easily have said when. Since God's faithfulness guarantees God's provision. As the provision is certain, so is the result. He is my God, is certain. Jacob sets up a holy place with the only thing he has to hand. Bear in mind he is a fugitive, he's run away and has absolutely nothing. So he uses the stone that was his pillow. And he pledges to honour God with one-tenth of what he receives. An empty promise at the moment, because he has nothing. He makes the promise. He is to become Israel, father of the twelve tribes. Now as we know, that's messy too, but it's an essential part of God's plan. So do we consider the awesomeness of God? Do we seek encounter? Do we believe that he can use us for his plans despite our weaknesses, sometimes because of them? And will we offer ourselves to him today? Here I am, call me. Let's pray. Let's just take a moment just to recognize that when we give ourselves to Jesus, he gives us the Holy Spirit. When we look at Jesus, we see the awesome God. And when he looks at us, he doesn't look at our weaknesses, he looks at our potential. Let us today make a, a new commitment.
They ask for more from God. And to hear the plan that he has for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.